Good morning, church. I'm always so glad to come to you and give you the word of God. Today it's uh, what is traditionally known as uh, the Palm Sunday. Uh, we, you can see how uh, the place is well decorated. We bless the Lord. Or the other word is the triumphant entry of the Lord Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. So praise God. I remember two years I'd preached about that, maybe a year ago or so. Glory be to God. And as the announcement has come, next week is Easter. But today I have something that I'm going to give us uh, because in this very course of the week, when we reach Friday, um, it, will, it will be the time, you know, when Christ is through this week after entering Jerusalem, will be arrested and all the, the crucifixion and his death. Then the resurrection is coming on the Sunday that is coming next week. So today, I want us to see something. Um, we want to look at the purpose as to why Jesus Christ came. And I'm going to talk about what I've entitled death and life in Christ. Death and life in Christ. I know that most of the times we tend to follow uh, the channel of birth, just as we've heard of the announcement you know, of, uh, of the baby. We praise God for that. Birth, then uh, maturity, uh, growth, and then at the end, after we've grown up, then death. Now, I've flipped this one today. I'm talking about death. And life. Amen. Praise God. And uh, let's just pray, first of all, uh, before I continue. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, for this blessed day in which um, it is believed that you made a triumphant entry into Jerusalem, in which you went to face uh, your death, almighty God, for the forgiveness of our sin and for the liberation of our souls. We praise your name, Lord, for this opportunity, for the wonderful life that you've given each one of us. And therefore, Lord, today we just pray, consecrating our hearts, our minds, that, Lord, may you open our hearts, that your word may find room in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today I want us to read from the book of Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2 and... Um, my main text, actually, it's uh, verse 15 to 17. And then I'll just come and read also verse, uh, uh, verse 7 to 9. Or I can begin from uh, verse 7 then to 9. The Bible says, Then the Lord God, then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person, or a living soul. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. Verse 9, the Lord made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, Trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
verse 15 to 17. The Bible says, The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Other version says, you will surely die. So, as I've said, today I'm going to talk about death and life in Christ. Now, as I just began to read this short story, these few verses, already you knew, maybe you even finished my sermon, you even concluded to say, oh, we know, we know about this one. <laughs> because from Sunday school, <laughs> you know, from Sunday school class, this is something that we learn about, you know, about uh, God's uh, creating man, then planting, you know, creating the heavens and the earth and everything, and then putting man in charge. And then the, 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 the two trees in the middle, and then all the trees, the serpent, and all the questions that goes around and the speculations of what kind of the tree, whether it was a vine tree or maybe an apple, and so on and so forth. Now, I'm not going to go into those debates of what kind. Just know that it was a fruit. Amen. Whatever the Bible tells us, we'll follow that because it's not specific. And the Bible tells us that God, according to the way I've read from verse 7, God, after he had formed man, he breathed life into this man. We know that the word, the, the, the Hebrew word Adam, it means the earth, the ground, the dust. And so this Adam who was created like a, a door made of, of the earth, the soil, God, by his infinite power, he breathed life into this deity and this deity miraculously became a living soul, which is known as Nafesh Akaya. Nafesh Akaya. That is the Hebrew word that is used there. So, after man became a living soul, the Bible tells us that God decided to place him in the garden. And the name of the garden is Eden. And then there are all kinds of interpretation about the location. The archaeologists have tried to locate it. And then uh, all kinds of, you know, approximations, you know, of things, how it was set up and, you know, what it means and so on and so forth. But I want us to know that Eden simply means the presence of God. This is what I want you to understand right now. Eden is the, is the presence of God because the Bible tells us that God made this garden, put all these things it had never rained before, but it caused the water to come out of the ground as springs and then begin to water this garden of the Lord. And he had put seeds of all kinds and it was beautiful. You know, it is like you've gone to this beautiful zoo. <laughs> and then the interesting part is that there are lions, just have that imagination. There are lions, there are elephants, there are, there are imparas, there are zebras, you know, like in Zambia where I come from. All kinds of animals. There are also snakes. And you are not even afraid of these things. And God gave man the privilege to say, Adam, 
I want you to name them. And he's the one who began to call them name. Oh, this one is going to, co- to be called a lion, a zebra, uh, a chimpanzee, a, a, a what, and so on and so forth. And after finishing naming, then he was given the mandate to say, you must take care of this garden. You must cultivate it. Hallelujah. And so man began to do these things. And then God also continued to say, he had, the Bible continues to say that he had, God had placed two trees out of all kinds, which are not mentioned by name. He mentions specifically two types of trees. One, it is the tree of life. And then the second one, it is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then the Bible says that God commanded man uh, from uh, verse 17, where, where I read from, uh, from verse 15 to 17, where I read, God commanded man to say, okay, you can eat anything in the garden, but there is one tree which you are forbidden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You should not eat from it. Now, this becomes very interesting and a source of controversy up to today, you know, because it will bring up so many questions, so many things. There are some people, philosophers, who are going to ask and say, if he's a really good God, a holy God, a loving God, why did he put the tree knowing that Adam was going to eat it? Or the woman was going to eat. There are all kinds of questions. Now, I want you to understand. That's why I've mentioned these two trees by name. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then Adam is given the choice. is given free will. And is told the advantages and disadvantages of all these trees. You can eat, Adam, from all these fruits. It is fine. But this one, this one specifically, this one, you should not. It is a command I've given you. Because the day you are going to eat of it, you should die. God was very specific. You verily die, Adam. And I believe he said, yes, Lord. And the Bible says that instead of, now this is me speaking, instead of him eating from the tree of life, which was right there, Adam, through the wife, decided to eat from the opposite tree. So the question is, who brought death or who brought sin into the garden? Who had a problem? That's what we we, we are going to ask. Who had the problem? God who placed those things there or man who decided to disobey? Now, this can come to us this morning. God tells us, or maybe, let me, let me not say God for now because it sounds like distant, you know, it's not being real. Somebody comes and say, okay, these are two drinks. This one, is the energy drink for 
what an example. Okay, just take it that way. <laughs> this one is the energy drink. You are tired, you are going to enjoy it, it's so nice, and so on and so forth. And this one is poison. Okay? When you try to drink from this, let me distinguish them by colors. Poison is going to look black. And then the drink is going to look orange. Okay? Then you are told to say, these two drinks, the orange one is the is the, the energy drink, and then the black one is the poison. So you are free to drink from this one at any time you want. But this one, do not, because when you drink of it, you are going to die. And then of the sudden... <laughs> Instead of you drinking the energy drink, you decide to say, ah, did he really say I'm going to die? Okay, let me just try just a little sip. And then you go ahead and take it. You have already been told. And after death comes, who are you going to blame? The one who placed there and told you with full knowledge or yourself? So the answer here is man is the one who had the problem. Man and a woman. You and me, before we got saved. That's where the problem was. So they broke the law. Out of curiosity, you know, and even when the, the enemy came, when the serpent came, he used the very words and he started questioning because that's his act. That's the way he acts. That's the way he operates. By deception, you will question the integrity of the word of God in your life. He came and asked the question to the woman to say, did God really say? Of course God had said and it could be, it is possible that when God was saying, you know, uh, of course uh, Eve wasn't made yet, wasn't created. But there is also a possibility that maybe they could, he could have repeated before both of them. But in this case, we say, man went and told the wife and said, this is the command of God. And she had listened. But at that time, she was just good all this time. And then Satan came and asked the question again, did God really say? Trying to put doubt in the, in the mind of the woman. And the woman said, yes. He said we should never eat or even touch it. When you read, you are going to find that she even added to say, or even touch it. Those words are not found in the command that God had given Adam. And the Bible tells us that she manipulated her again by saying, yes, God knows. The, the serpent manipulated her by saying, uh, yes, God knows that the day you are going to eat, you are going to become like him. Who don't want to become like God in an easy way? You know, sometimes we feel lazy to pray, we feel tired, and then something just comes on the silver platter and say, the moment you eat of it, you are going to automatically become like God, knowing good and evil. The same things that God had said. And then, she went ahead and ate. And then Adam, as the manager or the director or the CEO of the Garden of Eden, 
the man knew the appearance of the fruit even knew though the conversation is not mentioned he did not refuse or even try to question now anything he just took it and ate it and now look at this because the man is the commander at that particular time he was the commander now this i'm not saying this in, in trying to to put you know a man on top and uh, considering women to be less no what i'm trying to say is the man is the one who received the law from god and then look at this when a woman ate from the fruit nothing changed because this man the one who was put in charge before the assistant he had not yet broken the law it is my my assumption as a human being that if adam said you have made a mistake i'm going to cover you lord the the, the, the my wife has made a mistake i believe this is just the speculation it's not written in the bible i believe she was going to be covered because nothing had happened at that time but when the man just took a bite chewed and swallowed lo and behold their eyes were open and they knew that at that time they were naked and they were ashamed then all kinds of evil now started roaming around that was the power of death so the other question is going to be then who put death there amen <laughs> i want us to know that god had created life and then god had also created that tree which stood as a test for obedience and loyalty to him he put it there and told the man to say this one here is life and this one is death just like it happened during the time of Moses when giving the laws he told them in uh, in 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 Deuteronomy 30 to say today i've presented before you life and death what is the meaning of that the people of israel were told to say when you obey the lord these are the blessings that are going to follow you and prosperity good health and everything and when you disobey the lord these are the curses that you are going to experience and what did they do everybody at one point did has their eyes pleased so this is exactly what happened in the garden man death was there waiting it was sleeping death was sleeping if i may use that analogy death was there sleeping and it was only activated when the command was disobeyed as long as adam did not eat from that tree death had no power it's like let me give an example it's like you you see um i had a i had a story of a man who was passing through some place and then he saw this big dog running after him and it was making aggressive sounds it was charging against him and he became afraid he started running it pursued him and then because the man became tired 
it brought him on the ground. And as it started, you know, to do its hands and so on and so forth on his face. And then when it opens the, when it opened the mouth, like, you know, trying to make sounds, ah, the man just discovered that that dog had no single teeth in the mouth. It had no teeth. And then he was like, ah, I've been running all this time. I'm sweating and I'm afraid to death. Fearing that the dog is going to bite me, but it has no teeth. Now, I hope that makes a little bit of sense. Death was in the Garden of Eden, but it had no power. It had no sting. It was sleeping, but it was only activated after the law was broken. Oh my God. And from that time, death was experienced. Now, I want to say something about this. I'm going to do a little bit of systematic theology today, but I won't be going into <laughs> details of theology. I'll just be very simple. Now, look at this. Death is activated. The command was God cannot lie. He is not a man that he should change his mind, nor the son of man that he should lie. When he makes a promise, he will always fulfill it. And so he said, Adam, the day you are going to eat, you surely die. Now, look at this. Adam, Eve eats, Adam eats. The only thing that they realized was, one, they were afraid. They even ran off from the garden on their own. The presence of God became a terror to them. And the Bible says that God took up the initiative to follow and said, and started calling out, Adam, Adam, where are you? He said, I am here, Lord. What are you doing? I was afraid. Now, it is believed that once, uh, once you know, during the day or at any time, God could come down and begin to have a conversation, you know, with his friend, Adam. But at this time, God knew already what had happened, but he came down to say, what is going on? And then Adam was already, he had already abandoned the garden. He said, I was afraid when I heard you coming. And then God asked him to say, you were afraid, why? We know the story. He said, because I was naked. Who told you that you are naked? Because from the time I created you, you've never realized that fact. He said, the woman you gave me. Woman, what happened? The woman, instead of saying, <laughs> I take responsibility, man, it started with man. Instead of taking responsibility, man said, the woman. And the woman said, the snake. So the snake is the... It's the only creature that took up the blame without pointing to anybody. Now, at that point, we are going to hear that children will be born to Adam and Eve. And Adam is going to live 930 years. Now, I was thinking to say, hey, a promise of death has been given to say the day you eat, you die. And then this man is going to live 930 years. That's a long time. Amen. So, I want to talk about the three types of death that occurred at this time, or which are there. 
So the first one is the separation from the presence of God. Now, as I earlier mentioned that Eden represents the presence of God, communion with God. But the moment that law was broken, man separated. He was alienated. And the Bible says that it is implied that the tree of life was the remedy to the law which had been broken. And had man gone back and ate, the Bible says that they were going to live forever. But what God did is he put the cherub, the cherubim, you know, guard, an angel guarding uh, with the sword that was going forth and that, that was going forth, you know, to like to cut anyone who would go closer, and that made them afraid. So he protected it to say, in this state which they are in, they are not allowed to eat from it. So, the separation, that is the first death which occurred. Separation from the presence of God. Now, I remember uh, at Baptist Theological Seminar of Zambia, um, we had, I had a professor called uh, Dr. John McPherson. He retired and came back to the United States. He used to say, conscious existence without God is called, every time we used to finish, death. He had taught us that. Every time we came into class, you ask, conscious existence without God, it is called, then we shout death. So, people who have no God in their lives. Sorry to say they are walking dead. I know that doesn't sound good. They are dead people walking. That is the first death which is there. Separation, you know, from the presence of God. You are disconnected. That is death. And then, the second death that I can say, it is the removal of the Spirit of God from an individual. Since we are in the New Testament, this is a different topic. But in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God used to come upon the people, dwell. And at that particular time, the Spirit, that which made the communication between them, that fellowship, you know, to be going on, was removed. The protection was removed. That was another death which occurred. And then, the last one, it is the one which is common. We know this one. The physical death, dying of this physical body. We've experienced um, this one from our families, our friends. Now, these are the kinds of death. That's why we shouldn't be surprised that after Adam had eaten from that tree, he kept on living for years and kept on bearing children, children, children. Up to today, that's where we are coming from, all of us. Amen. Now, God said, this is not going to end here. We know that there is a prophecy that was given, a gospel declaration. In uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, in which God had made a promise again to say, the time is coming, I'm going to put an empty between 
You, snake, and the woman, is, the seed of this woman is going to crush your head or bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. Now, I took some time, you know, to, to try to, to, to understand the heel and the head. So, I discovered that the heel, for example, if, if somebody strikes you on the heel, of course, you are not going to have a lot of impact, okay? It shows that, okay, you are not going to have a lot of impact. But if somebody crushes your head, then that is the authority of life. They are stripping you of all the power and everything. Now, the actual Hebrew translation there is that it implies life. And then there is a reference to the birth of Esau and Jacob. Because the word for heal actually is, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, I've forgotten the, the Greek word, it's, uh, the, the Hebrew word, it's, uh, a, a, a cop. Yeah, something like that. A cop. Which means, that, that's where the name Jacob is, 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 is taken from. Okay? So, what that means is, Jacob was given the name Jacob because as they were being born, the first one came out, Esau, and Jacob was still holding the, the heel of the firstborn. And so he was given the name Jacob. And different scholars have said that that was like foretelling his life to say the time is coming because at the heel, according to the Hebrew, it is also associated with life. For example, like the midwives, whenever a Hebrew child was born, they could test whether the child has life or not by lifting the child uh, using the heel, you know. That is something which one rabbi explained. So, there is that prophecy to say you are going to bruise, you are going to bruise or strike his heel, meaning his life. But, even as you do that, he himself is going to crush your head. So, in other words, Satan, as he did that, as he had crushed nailed on the cross of Calvary by bruising his heel, he thought that he had attained the victory, but not, literally didn't know that his head was being crushed. Amen. I hope I've made a little sense on that one. Now, so all this death came upon humanity, upon man. And God said, I am going to raise a seed that is going to bring back this fellowship which has been broken between man and God. But it took some time. Death had entered into the world. Now we need to understand that what caused death to be activated from its sleep, to begin to wake and take lives, it's a sin. And then the sin that is mentioned there is actually in singular form. It's not in plural. It was sin. That's why when we come to chapter 4, uh, there's an example there when Cain killed the, the brother Abel 
The Bible says that God warned him to say, sin is crouching. It is trying to master you. It is trying to take over you, but you must master it or you must suppress it. But of course we know the, the end of the story. He succumbed and murdered the brother. From there, we are going to hear stories upon stories of wickedness and evil taking place. Until the time when God said, this is too much. The time now has come for me to send my son. That, that, is, what is, that is what Easter is all about. I am going to send my only begotten son. That's why in John chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible says in the beginning was God and uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Verse 14 says that and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory that is from the father. That is the manifestation of Jesus Christ as the incarnate Christ. So Jesus manifests now on earth. That too brings all sorts of questions. Everything about Jesus, it's miracles. It's, it's, you know, it's something that confuses the wise. You can only perceive them and understand them fully if you become the partaker through the Spirit of God. And so the birth of this son is another debate. <laughs> the virgin birth, something that had never happened. The son is born. He is actually given. He wasn't, he wasn't born. The Bible says that unto us the son is born. Unto us the son is given because the father gave him from heaven. He already existed. Then he manifested here on earth. So he was given. And so his mission was very simple. To restore the relationship that had been broken back there. In the, in, in the book of Genesis. And so, I want us to, to, to turn, <clears throat> uh, before I go there, um, <clears throat> okay, let, let me just read in advance. I want us to turn to the book of Romans, then uh, I'm going to explain something. Romans chapter 5, uh, verse 12. Praise God, hallelujah. Romans chapter 5, And uh, verse 12, the Bible says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin, as you can see there, it is singular. Adam's sin brought death, brought death. So death is spread to everyone. For everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. But it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Even though, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But 
even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You can even shout the hope of glory. Praise God. Now, let me, let, let me, let me just end there. So, the Apostle Paul now is connecting uh, these incidences. Now, before we come to this, actually, before I come to, to, to Romans here, I want us to understand something. So, Jesus Christ comes, and so, like today, he enters Jerusalem, and then he's welcomed, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then the people rally against him. And three days later, things changes. They begin to shout, crucify him, crucify him. Now, before the crucifixion, the Bible talks about the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, remember, I'm from talking about the Garden of Eden. And so, Jesus Christ finds himself in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, is interceding, is praying, is sobbing, because the power of death had become so heavy. Death was crouching. Satan was crouching. Remember, the Bible tells us during the temptations that after Satan had tempted him uh, three times and failed, he left him for the opportune time. So that time had come. And this time, he used a couple of different people. The first one that he used was Peter. After he pronounced him as the Christ, the son of the living God, the Bible says that the same man was used by Satan to try to dissuade Jesus Christ from dying. He told him to say, Lord, what are you talking about? You keep saying that you are going to die in Jerusalem. No, I'll make sure that you are not going to die. And he, Jesus looked at him. In, in Luke chapter 23, the Bible says that he turned to him. He turned to him, actually, and, and told him, 22 rather, verse 31. He turned to him and told him to say, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that you may not fail. And after you've been restored, strengthen the brothers. Those words hit on the deaf ear of Peter. He thought, ah, what is Jesus saying? I am ready to go with you, Lord, to prison. But the time came because the power of death became so heavy. Jesus told uh, the disciples to say, please pray with me just for an hour. Stand with me. He went three times and throw a stone, meaning where after you throw a stone, where it stops, you know, to pray. He could pray, and the prayer was one prayer request. Father, take this cup of suffering away from me. If it is your will, but not my will. And the Bible says that he was sweating blood. I think Dr. Sanjeev can do a good job here medically. You know, I hear that such things happen when somebody is stressed, you know, and they, they are under, you know, certain conditions. You are able to sweat blood. Now, this is what was going on right now, right there in the Garden of Gethsemane. But the Bible says that the disciples' eyes were so heavy. They were not able to stand with Jesus when he needed them most. He could go pray. He cries the same prayer. He comes back. This is the only time when God the Father did not answer the prayer of the Son. Remember during the time of uh, 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 
uh, Jairus. He said, Lord, Father, I thank you because you always answer me. But this time it was different. He prayed three times, same prayer, but nothing happened. And when he came back, he woke them up and said, you've been sleeping. You could not stand with me just for an hour. Arise, for the power of darkness, for Satan, the prince of this world, is now at work, is in charge. The enemy is even here now to capture me. Satan had tried to use Peter to cut the servant's ear, according to the book of John. But Jesus said, mm -mm, I'm not playing such kind of self-defense. And then Satan ultimately used Judas Iscariot to sell him over very cheap price, maybe 30 quarters. Huh? Look at that. So that time in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Garden of Eden pictures began to play. What happened there, God the Father had let Jesus temporarily disconnected and said, no, I'm not going to hear my son. The mission must be accomplished. On the cross of Calvary, while I was there, in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, the Bible says that when he looked up, there was that darkness which came, you know. When he looked up, there was hope for him in his anguish to see that support from the father. But it's like the father turned his back on the son because it is believed that the holy God could not look at the sins of the world which the son had bored. And that's when he shouted, Eli, Eli, lava sabakatan, which means... My father, my father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is Jesus Christ. So remember, I talked about the three types of death. Jesus was replaying these stages. And then the last one, the last one, it is in the book of John. The Bible says that while he was on the cross, he said, I am thirsty. Now, somebody whether it's a good Samaritan or it's a Mokari Roman soldier, he got some vinegar <laughs> to try to offer him to drink. Now, the purpose of that vinegar was to reduce the pain. You know, to reduce the pain, the condition of, you know, all, all those nails and everything. But Jesus refused. He couldn't take it. Why? Because he wanted to take the full pain, you know, we were not going to have a Jesus who is recorded to say, and when he felt that it was so painful, he decided to take some vinegar to calm it down. No. Our Jesus took everything upon himself to the very end. And then he gave up his spirit. Before he gave up his spirit, the Bible says that he prayed to the Father to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. And then when we go in other Gospels, we are going to hear, again, like the celestial uh, Eden being mentioned by Jesus in form of paradise. One of the robbers on the cross there, 
We shouldn't even be calling him a robber because he was redeemed. Amen. <laughs> One of the redeemed brethren on the cross. The Bible says that he confronted the other guy and said, Hey, why are you saying this? This man is innocent. As we are criminals. We should not even be accusing him of anything. Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And the Bible says that Jesus turned and looked at him and said, Today, not tomorrow, today, meaning right now, you are going to be with me in paradise. This confirms that Eden was the presence of God. Which paradise was Jesus talking about? His kingdom. Hallelujah. Because he knew to say, the moment I bow down like this, Satan is celebrating, he thinks that he is gotten over me, but actually, I am disarming him. Jesus, through his death, he disarmed the powers and principalities of darkness. He rendered them nullified, just as we are studying in the book of Colossians. Uh, he rendered them nullified, powerless, death was stripped off its power, its sting. That's why the Apostle Paul uh, confidently said in the book of Romans chapter 15 and verse 55 to 56, he said, oh death, where is your sting? Where is your power? Jesus Christ got rid of death. In other words, the death that was activated in the book of Genesis chapter 2, chapter 3 rather, that death was put to sleep again by Jesus' death. That's the reason why he came. People ask to say, why did Jesus come? I've heard a lot of people you know, asking me questions. How can a good and, God and, and loving father uh, send his only begotten son, you know, to go and die for the bad people. Yes, because he's a good and loving father for you and me. That's why he did that. And there are some people that goes to the extreme of even suggesting that Jesus Christ committed suicide. No, he committed, no, he did not commit suicide. <laughs> he died fully. You know, he died, he was buried. Now, the only difference is that Satan actually was just allowed to do the will of God the Father. All those Roman soldiers, all the priests who were involved, you know, uh, the Pharisees, you know, rising up against him and so on and so forth, they were all being used by God. Remember, Satan... Even before Jesus Christ came to die, he had no power of his own to do anything. The Bible tells us about his limitation, okay, of operation. In the book of Job, we hear about Satan that actually it's in the New Testament where he's mentioned as name. In the book of Job, Satan, the Satana, according to Hebrew, <laughs> it is used as a title or office, not really as a name. And this is the man who shows up. And there, the Bible says that when, when, the, when the divine council in heaven gathered, the guy showed up 
And then he was playing like a prosecutor, you know. He started asking God was 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 feeling good, was confident about his man, the blameless man called Job. And this guy, just as he likes challenging things, he comes to God and say, Does Job really love God for nothing? It's because you've given him kids, you've given him children, sons and daughters, you've given him wealthy and everything. That's why he loves you. God said, No, he loves me. He's blameless. And then he said, okay, if you say so, then give me a little opportunity so that I can go and just test him a little bit. You are going to see, he's going to kiss you to your face. And God had to put delimitations. He said, go, but do not touch his life. This shows that God has been in charge from the beginning. Do not touch his life. He went and he did all his atrocities uh, upon his family, upon his uh, belongings, household, and everything. The Bible says that the man was praising God. He said, naked I came out of my mother's womb, and if it is will, naked shall I return. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken. Praise be to his holy name. What a wonder of faith. That is the faith which threatens sometimes, you know, which, which challenges, so to say. That's a good word to use. And so, the guy goes to report. God asks him to say, okay, have you succeeded? He was like, ah, no. I think the, the missiles that I threw were not powerful enough. Uh, give me one more chance. This time, skin to skin. So, meaning now, the, the leprosy, the disease. He said, okay, go, but do not touch his life. Satan goes. He does all he could. And we know the end of the story. In the book of 1 Kings chapter 22, we hear about King uh, Ahab and Jehoshaphat when they met together to try to, to war against uh, another, another king. And the Bible says that he called the false prophets of Baal. They were prophesying and one of them was even lifting up the horns and saying, go up. You are going to prevail. Go up, O king. It was the custom and the tradition of the kings before they could go for war to call up prophets so that they could foretell the outcome of the battle just as it is today. Chaplains are, are enforced. You know, they will come and though they don't prophesy, but they just, you know, pray for the, for the men in service and so on and so forth. So prophets were called. And they said, yes, go up. One of them even made the, the horns of iron to say, this is how you are going to triumph against your enemies. And the Bible says that Jehoshaphat, because he was the, 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 the son-in-law, because he was a man of God, he, he is a man who feared God. He wasn't convinced with the prophets of Baal, you know, with the prophets that were prophesying uh, to, to King Ahab. So he asked him, he said, is there any other prophet in this land apart from these? Let's call him and hear. And then the king Ahab said, yes, there is one man, but his name is Micaiah. But I don't like this man. He never prophesies good about me. So these guys were telling what the itching ear wanted to hear of the king. But this guy was sent from God. And every time he stood, he spoke something different. So the Bible says that he was called. And when he came, 
for him, he, because he saw the council in heaven, what happened? The Bible says that he told them to say, yes, go up and you are going to win. And then the guy said, Mm-mm, I know you to be a different person. Every time you say something opposite, how come today? It's a trap. How many times shall I make you swear for me to know that you are saying the truth in the name of Yahweh? The Bible says that Micaiah then said, he spoke the truth and said, I saw the council in heaven gathered. And then, in fact, he said, I saw the council and the sons of God, you know, they gathered. And I heard a voice saying, who shall go before us to entice Ahab so that he should die in the battle? And a spirit, a form, that is Satan, he came up and volunteered. So it was like he was plowing, you know, around. When he heard, he jumped, he's like, I'm here, present. What are you going to do? He was like, I'm going to do my job. I'll be a lying spirit in the mouths of his prophets. So it has been ordained by God that as you go up, you are going to die. The man said, put the Pharaoh in prison until I return back safe. Actually, you won't return safe. And then he wanted to play it smart. The Bible says that he wore a common soldier's combat and, you know, disguised himself among the common soldiers. And from the enemy, somebody fired an arrow aimlessly and it went and struck him. The result is known. So, all I'm trying to say, even as I quoted in the New Testament, when Jesus told Peter to say, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that you may not fail. And after you are restored, strengthen the brothers and sisters. So Satan can only operate, even that time he was operating under the limits of God's power. And you see, when I was growing up, because of not understanding as a child, I had this, you know, imagination to say, Satan actually is a powerful force against God. You know, they are rivals. No, actually the guy has no power. <laughs> He's way far. In fact, he was created by God. When we see, of course, there are debates. It's not explicitly like, uh, said, mentioned in the Old Testament to say this is how God created him. But we know in the book of Isaiah chapter 14 and in Ezekiel 28 that the Bible, you know, embodies him uh, in the kings, in the name of the kings, the king of Babylon, the king of, 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 uh, of Tyre, you know. So he's, he's explained, you know, how he was... A, he was called Lucifer, Lucifer, which means the light bearer, you know, and he was a cherubim, how he was walking in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the stones made of gold and so on and so forth, and is known to be a man who had so many talents. Now, if Satan was created as one of the angels, then how can he become that powerful, you know, against God to even be the rival. So he has, he, has, he has no power in Jesus' name. Even when Christ came, actually, the Bible tells us in, uh, in Luke chapter 10, 
that after he sent the 72 and gave them authority over demons to heal the sick and cast out demons, they went and did wonders in the name of the Lord. When they returned back, they were rejoicing to say, Hallelujah. I'm adding the hallelujah. I like saying hallelujah. Lord, even demons could, could submit to us in your name. And Jesus said, Behold, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Amen. So Jesus was saying, The guy has no power. I've put you in charge. I've put you in charge. You have authority now. I've brought this authority upon you. As long as you are in me, you are operating in me as your master, as your Lord. Satan has no hold over your lives. So, brothers and sisters, it's my encouragement today that let us understand that death was activated by sin through rebellion and disobedience of man. But life was brought free of charge by Jesus Christ. Now, this is something to, we, we've seen a lot of, you know, uh, movies, acted, stories, portrayed in drama and so on and so forth, whereby uh, Jesus came as somebody because for God to be called uh, a holy God, a covenant-keeping God, a promise-keeping God, what he says must come to pass. That's his character. He told Adam that the day you eat, you should die. And death had to take place. You cannot say after that, you and me cannot say after by his own will, he chose to go for the tree of knowing good and evil. We cannot conclude to say, no, God killed him. No. He chose death. In so many ways, there are also decisions that we make sometimes which are not right decisions. We will be coming to church, we are praying, and God is speaking. Maybe we are about to make certain decisions. God is speaking to say, this is not the way. But sometimes because you and me have been given the freedom of choice, Especially in America, I've seen that to be a very big reality. Where I come from, it's uh, a little bit different because the culture is different. But here, you know, there is people, there is that, you know, whereby they want to do whatever they want. You know, it's my life and so on and so forth. So when you make such a decision, then if it is a wrong decision, then there are consequences that are going to fall. But I want to encourage you that... Uh, we need to make right decisions. Decisions that are godly. When God says, don't go this way, we must not go. When God says, do not eat this, we must not eat. When God says, pray this time, we must be praying. When God says, be committed to me, give your life to me today, we must obey. How many times have we been resisting? God maybe has been Showing our family members, we've been, maybe there are those that have not received the cross and they are watching me right now. God has been speaking to you. The Holy Spirit has been ministering about certain issues that you need to make adjustments to. And then, he's been giving you options. He never forces. 
Satan is the one who come and try to corner you here and there. But the spirit of God is a very tender spirit. He will just whisper to you, look at this. When you go this way, this is, these are the benefits. When you go this way, these are the things that you are going to encounter. What is your choice? Most of the times we choose to go the wrong way. I want us to realize that even what the enemy has already destroyed. Now, I can expand by saying death again will manifest in our lives in different forms. There is death of relationships. There is death of marriages. There is death or, or, or maybe of jobs or different kind of things. There is death in your prayer life. Maybe your prayer life has died over the years. You are not able to pray as you used to. There is a solution to that. If you can trust in the Lord Jesus Christ again, if you can put your faith back in the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus is the life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible tells us uh, in, in John chapter 10 that the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And this is the free gift as we've read in the book of Romans. That just as death came through one man by the name of Adam, life also came through one man called Jesus Christ. He came and died for you and me. The only gratitude that we can pay this man, Jesus Christ, is to surrender our lives to him. And as we do that, we are going to make him happy to the glory of the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So, my brothers and sisters, I want us to realize if maybe we had forgotten, or may I say, I want us to encourage each one of us, even our families, our friends, that wherever there is death, if there are those that do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. This is the time. Or maybe they are far away right now. Next Sunday is Easter. Amen? Invite them. Let them come and receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior so that the power of death can cease out of their lives. Why am I saying this? Look, this Jesus Christ has prevailed over death and defeated it once and for all is the only man who died and was put in the grave came back to life and has lived forever Lazarus though we don't have a report to say and Lazarus died for the second time but we know that the guy died at one point amen but Jesus Christ and all those, the, the dockers and the people, they died again. Those who were brought back to life. And it is Jesus who did that. So even before his death, he was showing to people to say, look, I have power. In John chapter 12, he said, I have power to lay my life down and to take it up again. He has authority. He proved it with he proved it uh, with, uh, with, with, with uh, different people. 
he made sure that it came to, 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 to pass. I want to encourage us that, please, I am begging you in the name of Jesus, that don't allow death to rule over your life. Give your life to Christ. As long as you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, death still have power over your life. Remember, I, I, I've told the story of my grandma at one point, uh, several times. You know, whenever grandma was having difficulties, challenges, you know, she could cry sometimes and she's singing a traditional song saying, uh, God, just take my life so that I can go and rest. So when I grew up, and, you know, as a child, I used to think, yeah, when you die, you go and rest. And after I grew up and studied, became a Christian, I knew to say, uh-uh, there is no rest for the ungodly. If you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there is no rest, actually. When you go there, you are crossing over to the other side. We will be up for a lot of surprises when we go there. We've been given a hint about, you know, the poor Lazarus and, you know, Abraham and the rich, you know, uh, person. Jesus himself is to be trusted. He told those stories for a purpose because he knows and he knew what is on the other side. So, my encouragement is that this word does not come to threaten you, you know, or to declare judgment upon us. No, but it has come to encourage us to realize that, yes, Death was brought through sin in the world. And Jesus Christ came and stripped off the power of Satan by defeating him, by destroying this power of, of sin. Acts chapter 10 tells us that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. Praise be to the name of the Lord. So I'm just going to pray right now that if there are those that are that, that, that feel that the Lord has ministered to them, or maybe you have family members um, that are cross, and uh, maybe, the, maybe there are those that have been trying to debate, you know, to make decisions about receiving Jesus. This is the time right now. I will not take time. Just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your word today. Come into my life. I believe that you came and died for my sins. You came and redeemed me from the power and the sting of death. Lord, I choose to accept you today. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord. Write my name in the book of life and remove it from the book of death. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Father, I thank you, Lord, by faith for those lives right now. I pray for them that Holy Spirit, may you touch them right now and strengthen them, encourage them in Jesus' mighty name, Son of the living God. I pray that, oh God, all those that have been experiencing death in different ways, those that have been experiencing death in their relationships, in their marriages, in their families, in their jobs, Father, I pray for them right now that they, let the spirit of life arise right now and touch them in the name of Jesus. Let the spirit of life right now be activated in their lives, oh God, even as they believe right now. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray, mighty God, breaking the power of death, Lord. I break that power, that hold, almighty God of death. We come against it in the name of Jesus because death has no hold through the mighty name of Jesus Christ. 
son of the living God, over the lives of your people. I pray right now for divine release, divine deliverance, divine healing upon each one of them. Those that are sick and maybe the enemy is trying to take their lives, oh God, and they do not know you. I stand in the gap right now as the servant of God that Lord set them free from the power of death right now. Let healing come upon them. Let deliverance come upon them right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, blessed be your name, Lord. Thank you, Father. I pray right now for the sick right now. I break the power of sicknesses. I rebuke that power of sickness right now. I declare healing upon you. I pray that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, of the blood which was shed on the cross of Calvary, be healed right now and be restored to the glory of his holy name. Praise be to the name of the Lord. Father, I pray for deliverance upon those who have been oppressed by Satan, those who've been oppressed by, by, by demons, mighty God, I rebuke the demonic powers right now. Let go of their lives. I decree that, Lord, set them free. Deliver them from the power of oppression of the enemy. In Jesus' mighty name, we give you praise, Father. We give you glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Father. I speak freedom upon them right now. For your word says that where the Spirit of God is, there is liberty. I decree liberty upon your people right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. We give you praise, Father. We give you glory. Thank you, Lord. I pray right now that let life, let life begin to gut forth. Let life begin to, to, to be upon each one of them right now. In the name of Jesus, life in everything that pertains to their life and godliness, in Jesus' name. Let the life of God take over everything right now, over your life. The life of God take over everything uh, that belongs to you, that pertains to you right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I speak life where there's been a wilderness. I speak life where there is, uh, there, there, there is been, where there's... In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, I pray right now, declaring the power, the anointing of the Spirit of God over your lives in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the anointing. Thank you, mighty God, for that life that has been activated. Thank you, Lord, for silencing the power of death out of the people's lives in Jesus' mighty name. We give you glory, Lord. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. The Lord bless you, church. The Lord favor you. And may he cause his face to shine upon you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.